Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker and listen with a sparkle in your eye, as though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Live from Hollywood, California, this is So I Married a Movie Geek! Hello movie fans, this is So I Married a Movie Geek. I am Chrissy McQueen. With me is Justin Winters, the movie geek. And he has made me to watch two quintessential 90s movies back to back. Ghost and Sleepless in Seattle, neither of which I had ever seen. And though I loved both, I'm a little bit like, I'm calling Ghost a 90s movie. I mean, come on, 1990, it was basically an 80s movie disguised as a 90s movie. Again, I don't know what, how you, I really don't group movies by decade like you do, so I don't understand it. That's okay, but you know what's funny is that it stars uh, Demi Moore, obviously, and one of the things that I thought of from the very first scene she was in when they're moving around all that stuff into their new apartment was, wow, look at Demi Moore. They filmed this probably in 1989, and she is hotter now than she was, like, 20 years ago. Well, that's because she's had amazing plastic surgery since then. What do you think she's had done? I have no idea, but I just know that she looks amazing. I just saw her on a movie on a plane recently, and I was like, oh, she looks like she stepped out of a time machine, and <laughs> here she is, still looking hot. You know? It's true. Because that was, you know, 20-some years ago, but again, I saw her, I think it was in the Joneses, the movie with David Duchovny, and she looks hot. I don't know how, you know, despite the best plastic surgery, I don't know how it's possible to look better 20 years away from, you know, where where she was back then when she was still she was still a good-looking girl in her, you know, mid-20s, in late 20s, in the 80s, early 90s. And fast forward to her 40s and she's just I mean, she's gone from being a cute, good-looking girl to spectacular. So, I don't understand. Maybe she does have a time machine. Maybe she does. Yeah. Uh that being said, Right away, we see Patrick Swayze, and my first thought, and I think everybody's first thought if they see Ghost, whether it's for the first time or, you know, you've seen it a few million times, but, you know, he has since passed away, is, oh, Patrick Swayze, you're not with us anymore, and that makes me very sad for you and for us. I was actually really sad. Like, the very first time he lit up the screen, I went, oh, Patrick Swayze, you really are a ghost, like for realsies, not just playing one in the movie anymore, like for realsies ghost. I wonder if you can walk through walls. Well, hopefully he's not a limbo ghost and he's, you know. Like heaven ghost? Wherever. He's, he's not, you know, solving his <laughs> wife's murder mystery in limbo, you know. Well, no, his wife was never actually murdered even in the movie, so there is no wife murder mystery. No, this movie was basically, you know, a romantic murder mystery. It starts, you're like, oh, they're in love. And then he violently dies. And you're like, whoa, this just turned turned really depressing. Yes, but it doesn't take long to figure out the whodunit. I don't know about you, but I knew, spoiler alert, spoilers, I knew from almost minute five who, who was the whodunit. I was like, and it's the best friend. He is the bad guy. Look at him. I don't like the way he walks. Congratulations. You learned 20 years after everyone else. <laughs> we should give you a, you know, post-20-year medal. 
I deserve one, right? Look at me, look at me. I guess the the kind ghost. It's like an AA chip, you know, when you've been sober 30 days, it should be like, it's been 20 years, you've never seen the movie, though the rest of the world has. Congratulations from calling out from under your rock. Well done. Well, it's it's not very hard when the guy playing is like as slimy and as coked out and <laughs> he was coked out. Stressed out as possible. I mean, the guy the guy that played him was also the director of the movie, so Oh, was he really? Maybe he was just like stressed out cuz he had so much stuff to do. And that kind of bled into the performance of the douchebag. Well, right away, when they're in the... The very first scene you even meet the guy. Um, what's his name again? It's not Colin. What is it? The, the bad cousin. guy? Yeah. The character or the... The character. Carl. Carl is the scene name. Right away, when you first see him in the elevator, and they're doing that funny thing where he's pretending like he has some sort of, you know, moral disease, and it's very contagious, and he's going to pass it on to everybody. That's what you do in a full elevator. No, I know. I was, I was in on the whole, hey, this is a full elevator and let's do some shenanigans game but I was like who would actively choose to not be the friend in this role who would actively choose to be the guy containing the contagious disease like you don't want to be that guy you want to be the friend being like so I heard that it's spread all over your body you don't want to be the guy being like yep it's spread I'm totally contagious well he had bigger fish to fry in his life he was stealing money from the bank right I don't care what people think about me I'm you know but for me, that was a, a, a mini red herring. Like, right away, I was like, who would want to be that guy? What's his problem? What's his trip? Yeah, I even wrote in my notes. I was like, convo's in an elevator. Yes, that, friend that, role? E- that equals the, you know, the bad guy, the murderer. The Honestly, guy that said he was smelly. I knew. I knew. I knew right then. Because connect those dots. Those work. But fast forward to the famous, borderline infamous, pottery scene. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Oh my God. Can I just tell you, I've never wanted to take a pottery class more than I have now that I've seen Ghost. Color me mine. Ooh, <laughs> baby. I remember seeing that when I was young and I was like, whoa, this is kind of hot. And then what happened when you went to Color Me Mine, when you finished your like little, you know, snowman climbing a mountain and they said, do you want glaze on this? We were like, yeah, I do. No, I'm like, didn't you just see how sexy I did that? <laughs> Haven't you seen ghosts? <laughs> that's that's when, why I'm here alone. <laughs> <laughs> that's when sexy snowman climbing the top of that mountain. One of the best thing, best part about that scene is <laughs> wait, the, snowman climbing a mountain. What? The best thing about they have the uh, the record play uh, the jukebox, and oh, the 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 song la, starts at the beginning, la, la, and the scene ends at the end of the song. So it's just the whole song. My darling. That was very creative. And it was Unchained Melody, of all things. Well, that that pretty much made that song more Famous. classic than it ever was. I guess so. I have to say, there is a poetic symmetry to the whole hands intertwining and, you know, making something out of nothing sort of thing. It, it really is. It. It's like... It's like the bodies of two lovers, and they converge, but it never, and they build it, something It beautiful. never works that way. It, 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 you know, it goes faster than you think, and it gets all over your face, and then it gets all over the place. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are we talking about pottery, or are we talking about sex? <laughs> uh, well, I was talking about pottery, Miss ADHD, <laughs> jump all around in my head. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. No, 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 no. This was not ADHD. This was you were you were drawing parallels between two things there. What were the parallels? About, no, I just I just we're said, talking about pottery. No, because I said the hands are like the bodies of two lovers, 
And I start going in on that, and then you were like, yeah, and then it always ends too fast, and it gets really messy, and I was like, wait, whoa, wait a second. That could be anything. Sure, it could. All right, dirty mind, whatever, man. Um, yes. Anyway, so there was that whole sexiness, and I was like, you know, on their own, I have to say, although I think they're good-looking people, I'm not attracted to either Patrick Swayze or Demi Moore. What? I'm really not. You're but, not? No, but watching them together, I was. Well, that's because that their like, little sex scene was kind of hot. Oh, it was beyond. Yeah. That was well shot, well rehearsed, well written. I was, like, I was like, go get you some, Swayze. Get you some last love sex. Because that was the last time before he died. I know, I know. And, and I kept wondering during that whole thing, I was like, is this where he gets it? How does he get it? Does he have a heart attack? When, when he brought that thing in the window, I'm like, is that how he gets it? Does he get hit by the giant Mother Teresa or whatever it is they're like... Statuing in. See, because you're, you're doing this and you're not paying attention to the details of the movie. Um, obviously, I was working with clay and hands intertwining. <laughs> well, um, luckily, there's a lot of Patrick Swayze movies, I think, on the list of movies you've never seen before. So That's we can, true. We can explore his, you know, finest works. His je ne sais quoi. Rest in peace. Here's my question, though. As you mentioned, it takes the whole song for them to go through that love scene without any cuts, yes? No, there's cuts. Okay, so yeah. I was going to say, there's like a whole thing where like they're pottering it up and then suddenly they're like making out, uh-huh. but their hands are clean. And I'm like, when did they have time to wash their hands? Oh, okay. What? <laughs> Good job. You spotted a, a little con- continuity, continuity thing. I, I always Congratulations. do that. It, it drives me crazy. We'll add that on to your 20, you know, 20 year... I spotted the killer in ghosts way before anyone else thing. <laughs> and when did they wash their hands? Nice. I mean, seriously. Okay, so fast forward to the part where he actually does get it. And he gets shot. And I don't mean, like, get it. I mean, like, oh, get it. And they're in the street. And it's like, wait a second. Demi Moore is running around going, help, help, somebody help. Uh, I think she was screaming a little bit louder and... More impassioned than that. True, but I don't want to incur the wrath of you yelling at me for making the volumes go off the chart for screaming help. Well, no, you, you were a little loud. Right, so suffice it to say, uh-huh. she said help, help, help. Okay. Did she run around? Did she actually bang on doors? Did she try to get anyone's attention beyond standing there like a chicken saying, help, help, somebody help? Are you talking about when he was already dead or when he was when, fighting with the guy? When, both. Well, what... So, she's supposed to leave him, die, okay, don't die in my arms, husband, let me leave you on the sidewalk while I run away. First of all, not the husband, boyfriend. Boyf- Second of all. Boyfriend, they just moved together, they just pretty much decided to get married, and then he gets shot. Not so much, she was trying to egg him on to say that he loved her, and he kept saying, No, Ditto. no, they decided that, that was, that was their last conversation about how they were going to get married. Whatever. Not the point. <laughs> no, you just said that they didn't say that. And I said, actually, they did. You probably were... I'm steering go- this podcast. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Why didn't she get help? I mean, I don't actually know. get help proactively. I don't know. It's a movie. I was mad. Well, I was like, Demi Moore, you dropped the ball. That's probably why he died. That is probably why he ended up a ghost and the whole movie happened. Because she didn't... Yeah, it wasn't the it wasn't the bullet. It was the fact that she didn't knock on enough doors yep. while he was dying. <laughs> yep. Okay. Congratulations. There you go. Congratulations. Congratulations on that one too. <laughs> that new, I'll just move on. That's a new type of dragon. Congratulations. Anyway, moving on. 
so there's the whole thing. Then he dies, and then he meets Whoopi Goldberg. And Whoopi Goldberg, I never knew you were so young. I think the first movie I ever saw Whoopi in was Sister Act. Yeah. Well, Which she, was only a few years later. Okay. Well, she had at least a dozen or so movies before that. So. I'm sure she did. You never saw it? Well, I'm like... No. Never. Not the point. Well, you know, the thing about this movie, if if you take Whoopi Goldberg out of the movie, this is a really depressing movie. I agree. So it's a good thing she came in. She was fantastic, by the way. Did she well, win awards for that? She won an Oscar. I thought so. Oh, you did? Huh? I did. Oh, good. Hey, this is called So I Married a Movie Geek, not So I Am a Movie Geek. Difference. That's why I have you. That's okay. I keep you around. What did you like about Whoopi? Oh, well, first of all, her, her delivery was great. She had a unique interpretation of every line, you know. And let's face it, it's hard to to work as an actor with somebody next to you that you're never supposed to look at, that you're never really supposed to acknowledge, but you're supposed to pretend is like a voice that you hear but can't see, can't touch, can't fathom. And she handled that beautifully like Demi did not so much there was a point where I was like Demi you could totally see him I could tell by the way you're looking and Whoopi not so much <laughs> again you're looking at the, the, these things instead of the plot and what's being said not only that but Demi oh my gosh Timmy looked at Patrick Swayze that ruins the entire movie for me let's talk about how Demi had the same haircut as you same haircut as She me. did. At one point in the hospital, I looked at her when she was eyeing the doctor, and I looked at you, and I kept looking back and forth, and I was like, oh, they have the same haircut. <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay. That's, that's the wine talking. Brief aside. So, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg's great, man. They, Beyond fabulous. I mean, now you... With the context, you can understand why she, you know, felt so close to Patrick Swayze when, he, when she was talking about him on The View as he was deteriorating health and eventually died. I didn't actually hear that. They what did you tell us? No, I mean, he was. she was a very big fan of Patrick Swayze. And then, obviously, if you watch this movie, you could tell that they had a very, um, you know, good rapport together. You know, all their scenes together. Obviously, the, like I said... It's kind of like a romantic murder mystery because this guy dies and then he's got to figure out what happened to him and the only way that he can do that is with the help of Whoopi Goldberg's character. And he's not only ha got to figure out what happened to him, he seems less interested in that, to be honest, and more interested in protecting Molly, Demi Moore's character. But it's character. all connected, so of course. that's why it's like a murder mystery. Right. Although, what did you think about... The, towards the end when uh, he said, God, I just wish I could touch you one more time. And Whoopi's like, alright, fine. I'm medium. And she like offers up her body for Patrick Swayze to embody and then, you know, therefore kind of touch and make out with Demi Moore one last time. What did I think about it? Yes. Well, I, thought, I thought I was going to get Skinamax there for a second. Bound, dicka, bound, wound, dicka, yeah, bound. but they didn't. Not which, only that, but... Which is not very surprising. Do you think if the movie were redone today that they would have shown, if not in its entirety, at least, like, little snapshots of Whoopi acting out the part with Demi as opposed to all Patrick Swayze? Um... Because it is Dem it's supposed to be Demi and Whoopi. I understand that. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just know, personally, if, if I would have saw it, it might have taken me out of it. Because it's supposed <laughs> to be, like, a very, like, serious scene. This is his last time, you know, to actually touch his, you know, girlfriend before he possibly moves on. So, you know. Right. I, it was just one of those things where I was like, well, 
wait a second. We know that this is really Whoopi Goldberg's character. Don't you think it's appropriate that we see Whoopi Goldberg be with her a few times? Like, even if it's not in its entirety. <laughs> well, see, if it's Whoopi holding her hands, or holding Demi Moore's head in her hands, like, I don't see, there's not a connection between the two of them. So it'd just be like, okay, yeah, I mean, that's well, weird. Well, no, because that's Whoopi's job as an actress, is to inhabit the character, not the body, but the character of the person whom <laughs> she's portraying. Okay. All right. I'm just saying. If she's not going to be, was it Ona or Oda? Otome. Otome. If she's not going to be Otome and she's going to go ahead and be Patrick Swayze, then she should be able to do that and they should be able to she film should, that. She should act like uh, Patrick Swayze, like uh, they did in Face Off with Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> they, Ghost should have been Face Off. <laughs> so you laugh because that was funny in Face Off. If they did that in this one, you'd be like, oh, that's kind of weird. Well, no, because at the very beginning when she was like, here's my body, just take it. And, like, he embodies her and she goes through that whole little change. When she very first opens her eyes, really, really, truly, she is Patrick Swayze's character. When she opens her eyes and she looks at Demi Moore and she holds Demi Moore's wrist, I was like, oh, he's back. Like, I didn't think, like, it's really weird that Odeme is holding her that way. Just by the way that his hand touched hers? No, by the way Whoopi Goldberg looked at Demi Moore and the way Whoopi Goldberg reached out for Demi Moore. I don't think you see her eyes, though. You do, in the very beginning. Okay. And well, then they go away with it. It's Patrick. Well, then maybe that's what led to her Oscar win. That Perhaps. look and that touch. They should have elongated that. Of love. They failed. Of love. Of love. Yeah. And then Revenge is Sweet. Because our horrible, money-mongering Carl, a.k.a. the guy who had Patrick Swayze killed, although inadvertently he still had him killed, a.k.a. the guy who was trying to steal $4 million from the bank so he could get out of some stupid drug deal that went awry, a.k.a. the guy who was trying to move in on Patrick Swayze's girl when, you know, he was dead, that is, Patrick Swayze was dead, and Demi Moore was in mourning that guy, he had it coming, he had a huge major altercation with Demi Moore, Whoopi Goldberg, and Ghost Patrick Swayze. And thank the Lord, he went down via a window glass shard. Yeah, that was pretty intense. I was so glad. I was like, he needs to, he needs to go. He needs to go finish directing the rest of the movie. Oh yeah, that's right. He does need to do that. Although, you know what's funny about this movie? Everybody dies pretty quickly. Like, the glass shard came down and got him in the chest, yes... But, and it sprayed a little blood, but, like, there's no agony, there's no suffering, there's no wondering if he was going to make it, or, like, paramedics. Like, he just died, and it was like, oh. You, so it's supposed to last, like, 20 minutes, 30 but minutes? Normally, it's, it's a movie. No. But normally, no, but that's just it. Normally, it does last a little longer. Like, there's a little bit of struggling for breath and last words, or something like that. Like, he was like, ice pick, down. But did you want to hear his last words? You hated him. You didn't even want him on the screen. Right. I'm just saying that happened throughout the movie. It happened when Patrick got shot. Like, he didn't struggle. He was just suddenly dead. Same thing with um, the street murderer guy. He struggled for his life. He was was dying in her arms. What are you talking about? Wait, wait. What was the Puerto Rican guy who died? Huh? Puerto Rican guy. He died. The guy who actually killed Patrick Swayze. What was his name? I can't remember. Who cares? Because he died suddenly, too. He was like, I've been hit by a car. Ugh. Because he, he died suddenly, too. Nobody, like, dies with any sort of, like, drama. What is it, how does that affect the movie in any way? I don't know. Okay. Nice tangent. <laughs> Jesus. And then the Ghostbusters came in, and they're like, what? Are we supposed to bust you? 
Don't cross the streams on Patrick Swayze. <laughs> You're welcome. Although I will say that when he died with the glass shard, which was random, uh-huh. he was still breathing, even though his ghost came up and like confronted Patrick Swayze for a good five seconds before he was taken under by the powers of the boo. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, look, 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 the body in the background is still breathing. And you got mad at me if you were like, congratulations. <laughs> no. no, here's how you said it. Look, look, he's still breathing in the background. Like he's going to jump up and be like, ha ah, ha. use that last breath. <laughs> to, to kill you, ghost. <laughs> Come on, it would have been great. <laughs> I think they should have gotten a ghost fight at the end before he got pulled down by the demons. That's true. They should have had a ghost fight at the end before he got pulled down by the demons. That was really bad. Yeah, the demons are kind of scary when you're a little kid. Oh, yeah, because they're like black and mysterious and they have like Crypt Keeper hands but like hooded bodies. Like, what if they get confused? You're like, no, I'm supposed to go up to. You know, shiny land. Well, that got me thinking. Like, they, don't, like, they don't say, like, heaven and hell. They call right. it the other place. The other place. Right. Well, let's not get too into the Judeo-Christianity of it all right here, because that's not what I'm talking about. But I couldn't... It? I know I was about to say something. But I couldn't help but wonder, as I was watching the movie, well, what constitutes going to the good place versus the bad place? Like, what if, you know, okay, you rob some people and you kill some people. Good. You go to the bad place. But what if you, like, walk a fine line? Like, what if you steal some gum? But, you know, other than that, you're a good person. Do you still go to the bad place? Yes, the gum-stealing bad pay, bad place. <laughs> no, if you steal gum, you're in limbo forever for stealing that gum. Forever? Yes. Gum. Why? Gum limbo. That's stupid. I, I don't, I don't like make it. rules. I don't like it. All right, so uh, grade for um, Ghost, what would you give it? B plus. B plus. Yes. So... I don't know if you know this, but I think they're doing a musical version. Are they really? Um, in London, yeah. In the next year. So that should be interesting. Yeah, it should be. Um, I think it'll be difficult in a way because... The most depressing musical of all time. Yeah, right. <laughs> because you can't... You almost can't imagine other people inhabiting those two roles other than... Or three, I should say, because it's Tria, Whoopi Goldberg, Demi Moore, and Patrick Swayze. Well, unfortunately, one of them's dead, so... Well, they're gonna have you to think? New. I know. I'm just saying, it's going to be weird. Although I think he probably could have done it. He's a good dancer. This is true. So, yay, ghost. I'm glad I finally saw it after all these years, and now I want to go take a pottery class. All right. right. Rest in peace. Moving on to our second 90s film of the evening, Sleepless in Seattle. Um, Excuse me, Justin Winters. Mm -hmm. How did I go so long without seeing this? I don't know. That's most of these movies. I, no, I but, don't understand it. But this one was special. How did it go so long without seeing this? It was so good. How was it special? I loved it. Okay, uh-huh. well, first of all, go. it should go without saying if you know me. But if you don't, I'll, I'll tell you. I love Tom Hanks. I love Meg Ryan. I mm. love them together. I love them separately. I just pretty much love everything they do. They can almost do no wrong except for that one boxing movie Meg Ryan did. That was wrong. I don't know. I think Meg Ryan did wrong with all that plastic surgery on her face that too i'm talking about her movies well that's that's kind of screwed up her movies <laughs> when you when she comes on the screen and she's got you know plumped up lips it's hard to well, what has she done since she went crazy with plastic surgery not a lot of good stuff right so you know forget about it but sleepless in seattle we <laughs> shall not forget about because i heart them both um 
I thought it was interesting that right away we're starting out with a funeral, and I'm like, oh no, more sadness. Another spouse is a dead. Connection between the two movies. Man. But loss. I, I noticed that, and it was a spousal thing again, where I was like, oh, spousal loss, and the guy's name was Sam. What was the name of Patrick Swayze's character, Ghost? <gasps> Sam. What? Yeah, Tom Hanks's character was named Sam. Oh yeah. See, I planned that. Yeah, you didn't. You just went, Whoa. But the wife died of cancer, so oh, hopefully she? she wasn't dragged down by the demons. Yeah, no, that would be very bad. She went up to She went up to man. bright, happy place. Bright place. Shiny place. Shiny! But they, did they say she died of cancer? Yes. Oh. I think the kid did, um, maybe in one of the phone calls to the radio station. Oh, maybe. We haven't gotten to the radio station yet, because we haven't been introduced to Meg Ryan's character. Interestingly... <laughs> Everyone's seen Sleepless in Seattle but you, Chris. Don't well, worry about this one. Well, I was going to say, interestingly, if you haven't seen it, they're only together for like 30 seconds out of the whole freaking movie. Like, you get Tom Hanks's story separately from Meg Ryan's story, and the only intersect you get is when Meg Ryan is listening to Tom Hanks either on the radio or she's reading about the epilogue, what happened since his radio call, or she, in her job as a journalist, is stalking him. So if you had to say in 30, 30 seconds just why you love the movie so much, how would you explain your, your love? Um, it's going to sound very grade school, but here goes. Um, I love the connection they have without ever actually meeting. It's like a pen-pal relationship without the actual pen. No, like, because she... Has she has developed a connection and borderline rapport with him without ever having talked to him? She sends him one letter, and he doesn't even a- really get it. The kid gets it. So I, no, I do. I I love the connection without a connection thing. Like there's no concrete thing tying them together, but they have a connection that can't be denied. And she's even with somebody else, so she could feasibly be like a bad guy in all of this. You're like she's with somebody. That's not right, but. You know, she and she doesn't go with it like go for it in bad with bad intentions. She's like this happy go lucky sort of kind of s- sweet spirit, and she's like, well, you know, I just kind of could try, and then she does, and yay, it all ends up good in the end. And the kid is really funny, and I'm just like, I like everything. What's not to like? You ask me what I like, I like everything. Okay, well, you want to know what I I think about this? What? I think she's a cre- creepy, creepy stalker, and I'm sure many people who <laughs> watch this movie are like. Okay, uh, wait a second. She's kind of a creepy stalker. What? Because you just talked about how they have this re- this whole relationship that's in her head. Oh, God. Because she has listened and stalked him, <laughs> you know, by listening to the radio. And B, that's A. And then B, using her position as a journalist and a reporter to stalk him that way. That's this what is- we do. This is creepy. What? That's what we do. <laughs> Not all women are this creepy and this stalkerish. No. No, she wasn't that creepy and she wasn't that stalkerish. What if she would have been like, uh, like really ugly, like a, uh, a underbridge troll? That would have made this movie so much less popular. <laughs> Instantly, it's about this creepy underbridge troll woman who's stalking Tom Hanks because she heard him on the radio and he said, like, Five minutes about how much he loved his wife who had cancer. That was it. And that's all it took for thousands of women to, you know, throw their panties at him, to send him letters in the mail. That was a little bit crazy. And, you know. They were cat women. 
Meg Ryan, you know, who's who's a little bit narcissistic, she creates this whole thing in her head that they're like meant for each other. No, and stalks him. No, yes. no, she did not create a whole thing in her head that they were meant for each other. In fact, she kept purporting that she was very in love with Walter and that Walter was great and funny <laughs> and enjoyable, and she was just like. You know, I mean, I, I feel like I kind of like, I have to at least meet the guy. And it's for my journalism stuff. It's for it's for that. And Thank yes, God I look like Meg Ryan instead of an underbridge troll. Because this is going to make it way more <laughs> awkward. Imagine that scene where she gets off the plane and he's actually there. And they just, you know, that's one of the first times they actually not meet <laughs> but see each other. What if she was like, you know, 700 pounds and she had like seven chins? <laughs> Well, they would their eyes would meet and he'd be like, ah, and he'd like jump, he'd like run away. Well, then that should be musical right there. That's musical. Yeah, stalker. Yeah, she was not a stalker. How was she, she not a stalker? Uh, first of all, she was, you know, doing a profile on this whole thing for her Baltimore Sun <laughs> newspaper. She created that. She's like, you know, what would be a great story. Stalking guys that I hear on the radio. No, ah, there was a meeting, and she creates that, and that's you know, no, her there, reason. That's her excuse for pulling the. Shark Hughes, you are a liar. There I'm, was a meeting with two male journalists and Rosie O'Donnell, and they were like, "Let's do a story on this. Who's good to do a story on this?" And she was like, "I like my tea without the tea bag inside." And then she took her tea bag out of the cup, and then was like, "Hey, wait a minute! You know, I heard this story, and I totally cried." And Rosie was like, "Oh my God! I know what you're talking about. I didn't hear that story, but I heard a different story similar to it, and I cried too. And well, let's cry together because we're women." And then the guys were looking at each other like, "What the hell is going on here?" And then never mind, the women should do this story because they're really into it. And then she did it. Yeah, but she didn't say, okay, guys, this is what I'm actually going to do for the story. She didn't have it. I'm going to fly out there, and I'm going to watch him as he (laughs) and his kid, you know, bond together. And I'm just going to wait for my moment where I walk up to them and say, hey, guys, guess who I am? I'm some girl across the nation that had listened to you on the radio, and I think that we're meant for each other. No, she never thought they were meant for each other, and it wasn't premeditated the way you're making it out to be. How was okay? What? Explain it then. It was not premeditated. She was doing this story. She did like the early '90s computer search to find out who he was. You're so an apologist for Meg Ryan's character in this movie. Shut up. She couldn't find very much about him. So what did she do? She did what any good journalist would do. She employed a private investigator to find out more <laughs> about him. <laughs> and then you're, you're totally like. Playing into my view. No. This is great. No. And then I'm going to walk away like, and you can just argue my, my side of the story <laughs> that she's a creepy stalker that happens to look like Meg Ryan. And then she was like, no, wait a minute. I'm just doing this for a story. Nothing matters about that. I love Walter. And she fantasized about Walter. She thought about Walter. She was with Walter and Walter bed. was boring. You know, I love Bill Pullman and all, but, you know. He was sweet. The way he was written, obviously, was he was a boring guy and he was kind of a mess. Because he had his vaporizer and he was allergic to everything. Can I ask you what's wrong with boring guys who are a mess? Sometimes those are the guys you're meant to be with because they're kind and understanding and value who you you for who you are. And he obviously valued her. Okay, well, obviously she, she didn't like that that much because she started stalking some dude she never That's knew. That's not true. She liked him very much. That wasn't the point. That wasn't the point. She liked him very much. And then Rosie O'Donnell was like, hey, wait a minute. Why are you an apologist for Bill Pullman's character now? <laughs> Just listen. <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell was like... No, she liked him very much. She liked him very much. Like, what? She didn't like him that much. 
That's not true. You can like two people at the same time. Trust me. Rosie O'Donnell was like, hey, you should turn on the radio because that kid is on the radio right now. Yeah, Rosie O'Donnell O'Donnell was the enabler in this movie. I loved her for it. She was fantastic. Don't you love how she was kind of like the comic relief in this movie while Whoopi Goldberg was the comic relief in that movie? Well, yeah, that's what happens. Yes. So, anyway. So, Meg Ryan finds herself in the closet listening to the radio with she's while she's on the phone with Rosie. That's total normal, and that's not stalkerish at all. Not at all. Women do that. You don't know because you're sleeping. But women do that. (laughs) Chrissy, if I woke up in the middle of the night... And I was like, what is that sound? And I looked in the closet and you're there with like a phone and what did she have? She had a radio. A radio. I'm not stalking anybody, I promise. (laughs) I'm listening listening to the radio. Oh, please. Oh, please. She wasn't stalking anybody. She was just hearing. You said all women do that. What do they do? They stand in the closet. No. In the dark with a radio? Correction. I'm not saying that all women stand there in the dark with a radio. I'm saying that all women, if they were put in this particular position that Meg Ryan was put in, almost all women would have done exactly that way. If they would have gotten a call from the best friend being like, you know that story that you're working on for your newspaper? Yep, that very legit story. Well, the, the boy is back on the radio and you should probably be listening to this right now. She'd be like, oh gee, my fiance won't understand, but you're right, I do have to listen. And she would go to the cause and she would take the radio with her and she would do that. Not the point. She loved Bill Pullman. She loved him. She <laughs> loved him. Okay. She did. She really did. Okay, well, she eventually, you know, goes to Seattle. How right. is that not stalking? That's still reporting? When, is it, when, when did she cross the line from reporting to stalking? Never? No. How's that, how's that possible? Because there was never any... You're, you're, they even referenced oh, Fatal Attraction Lord. in this movie, which, you know... You keep you keep calling it stalking, and it was never stalking. What is it? What do you call it? Infatuation. <laughs> really? Isn't stalking infatuation that can turn murderous? Yes, but just uh, and then we're going to take a course in logic right here, right now. A can A plus B can equal C, but C plus B doesn't necessarily equal A in this scenario. So. <laughs> what? Listen to me. You're terrible at math. What are you Shut bringing up. in these for? I'm not doing math. I'm doing logic. This is only going to confuse you more. Nuh-uh. All right, so if he's A and his son is B and they cross, <laughs> they're on a train going the other way and she's on the other one, totally not stalking, loving Bill Pullman. She loves him, loves him, loves him. Will you let me finish? Listen, <laughs> infatuation can turn into stalking, which can turn into fatal attraction. But not all stalking is fatal attraction. And secondarily, and more importantly, not all infatuation is stalking. Uh, I used to call this movie Stalking Me Softly. <laughs> what? Stalking me softly with his song. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. She's not stalking him. She's just infatuated. And and not only that, she's you not... You could still like this movie and still think she's kind of stalking him. No, but I'm telling you. Will you listen? Okay. Not only is she not stalking him, uh-huh. and she's she's not... I won't even say that she's infatuated with him. Uh-huh. She's infatuated with the idea of him. There's okay. a difference. Okay. So yep. So it's not stalking? No. <laughs> okay. No. She's very, very interested in him and very focused. <laughs> Oh, wow. So she goes to Seattle. 
If she were stalking him, she would have stayed in Seattle. Did she stay in Seattle? No. What All a waste said, of a plane ticket. If you're going to, you know, hire a detective and well, then go it. out there to stalk him yourself, at least talk to him. Well, that's just it. That negates the whole stalking presupposition. How does that negate it? She goes there and she says, hello. Hello. That's it. It's very affair to remember, which is what they allude to the entire time. So how is that not stalking? Were they stalking each other in affair to remember? We're not talking about the fair to remember. No. We're talking about this. No, there are linear things here that are the, the same. This is not. You number one, you've never seen a fair to remember. Shut up! My mom talked about it a million times when I was a kid. But this is not. It's not a total remake of a fair to remember. I understand that. This is like it uses this like an homage. But I know. It's not a, a set for. It's not a remake. It just alludes to it. So you can't compare it in that way. You're right. I can't. But I can say that there are illusions to be drawn from it. And, you know, back that a fair to remember, I'm sure they didn't talk about stalking that much. Right. But they don't talk not, about stalking not, in this movie either. Yes, they do. They say the word stalking? Huh? When do they say stalking? Just because they don't say the word stalking doesn't mean it doesn't go on. Um, when they talk about pedophilia in movies, there's pedophilia going on. So, again, if, this, if Meg Ryan wasn't Meg Ryan and she was an under, you know, Bridge River troll... <laughs> She's a How would that change <laughs> the way you look at this movie? Dude, you could say that about anything, Justin. Huh? You could say that about When Harry Met Sally. If Meg Ryan was a troll in When Harry Met Sally, that, that wouldn't stalking. have worked either. That wasn't stalking in When Harry Met Sally. They were they had a connection. They had friends. You know? They had friends? Yes, they did. And no, the point I'm trying to make is that you could say that about any love story, any romantic comedy movie. If the, if the lead character looks like a troll... That's not going to work out then. Oh, magic movies. She looks like Meg Ryan. Okay. All right. So, all right. Well. So, there. But let's talk about the kid for one second. We need to get away from the stalking romance of it all and talk about the kid before um, I implode. Because when the kid called the radio station, A, B gave the address out to the people that asked for it so letters could come, B, and C took it upon himself to fly to New York. I could, I, you know, and I know you're going to hate me for saying this. The whole time I was like, oh my God, that's so something I would have done as a kid. When my parents were trying to, to like decide what they wanted to do, whether we wanted to move when I was 10, I started calling up real estate agents and I got like real estate listings and so I got our house on the market so by myself. So, so it's okay. It's, it's not okay. Um, cause I'm sure your mom as a kid was like, don't even talk to that guy. He could like kidnap and rape you. Right. But it's okay to give your address out to all these people who could come and kidnap and rape you. Oh no, you. definitely not. Should have been very mad at me, but it's still something I would have done. I totally, every, every move he made, I was like, that child is me. That is exactly what I did as a child. Minus the radio thing. Like I did that sort of thing. That, like took things upon myself. Like I was an adult and could make my own decisions and didn't need a parent to govern me. Like I did everything like that. Yeah, you know, he was kind of irresponsible. So, nah. The kid? No. Of course he was. No, he was ahead of his time. <laughs> it's called irresponsible. How is it irresponsible? Well, again, he gave out his dress to all these potential fatal attraction, you know, women who okay. could stalk him. One misstep. One misstep. No, that, that's a one huge misstep because that could have gone to thousands and thousands of women who could have found him and, you know, tried to kill him and his dad. But the whole calling the radio station thing and saying, my dad needs therapy, he needs a wife. Then I, flying I think to of Delilah. Delilah. Like, is he calling Delilah? For those of you who live in California, the equivalent to Delilah is, the, is Coast 103.5. 
at night when they do like love songs on yeah, what if she, number one, the she coast. should have been butting into their business anyway. Like, she's like, oh, hey, can I talk to your dad? Oh, sure. Oh, the therapist? Yeah, Delilah. Yeah, well, you know. But you know what's funny? Although the kid acted like me a lot of the time, or at least how I was as a kid, and God, how my mom's listening to this because it's so true, he looked just like you. And I kept thinking, I was like, Oh my gosh, his demeanor and the way he looks is so like Justin, yet he acts like me. Will this be our child? So wait, I look like Demi Moore in Ghost, and I look like the kid in Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> I'm a great physiognomist. So I look like a cross between them. I'm a wonderful physiognomist. It's true. Let's so be honest. So I'm a hot-looking, annoying person. <laughs> he was, the kid was not annoying. He was a little bit annoying. What are you talking about? I adored him. Uh, precocious. There you go. Precocious is a great word. Okay. He probably knew what it meant, even though he was only eight. Gotcha. And I'm a kid person. I like him. He was great. I would have been friends with him. Okay. But you alluded to him, like, is that going to be our kid? And I'm like, I hope not. I hope not. you're not going to die of cancer, and then we have to move to Seattle, and somebody's going to stalk me because my kid gives out my dress. No, out. no, no. Oh, you're missing the boat. I'm not talking about the situation. I'm talking about the fact the si- that he looked... The situation? No, I'm talking the fact that he looked at you and had demeanor like you, yet he kind of acted like me as far as governing himself at the ripe old age of eight. And so therefore, if we marry those two concepts, I thought, oh, this might be our child. All right, well, let's talk about the end. Yes. The end, where they meet each other for all of 30 seconds at the top of the Empire State Building because they are mirroring an affair to remember. And she has since pulled away from Bill Pullman. Haha, <laughs> pulled away from Bill Pullman. She loved him. She loved him so much. So much! She did love him, but she didn't want to lead him on, and she was afraid that she was settling, and she didn't want to be the person who turned around five years from now and was like, you know what, you're great, but I don't have the butterflies with you that I think I may have with somebody else. This guy that I've never met before, but heard on the radio. No. And stalked to to Seattle and then back to here. No, because here's the thing. Even if it didn't work out with him, she was looking for, quote, magic. That's what she was looking for. Magic. Not... I love you a lot, and we're great friends who mm-hmm. have some nice sexual benefits. Like, I'm looking for magic. And she just came to realize that she didn't have it with Bill like Pullman. card tricks? Or no. Saw someone in there? No. She just came to realize that she didn't have that magical, oh my god, the world stops, time stops, when I'm with you, sort of feeling with him. Uh-huh. And that's okay. And I have to say, though, he took it remarkably well. Yeah, because he's boring. Oh. <gasps> They were in love. She loved him so much. Do you think he loved her? Uh, I don't know. I mean, better off for him because he's a she's a stalker. She's not a stalker. <laughs> she's not. She was a confused young woman, and she was being pulled from both ends. Well, here's what they you know they meet on at the top of the the building, and they 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 like hold hands, and he says. What does he say? Are we, let's go. Oh, like, yeah, let's like, go. Like, like, let's go together. Well, first, he, the way he said it, you're like, oh, he means him and the kid, because he's like, we should probably go. Well, she would have pulled out, pulled out a knife just then and stabbed him in the heart. This is not fatal attraction. Like, ha ha, I've been waiting so long. <laughs> that would have been a major character twist. 
And then she went down. Or jumped off the building. She went down with them, and she held hands with Tom Hanks, and Jonah looked at her adoringly the whole time. It was fantastic. And here's what probably happened. You know, they dated for a week, and then she realized, oh, I built this up in my head so much, something that doesn't exist, that everything's going to be a letdown. Can I tell you why I know that doesn't happen? Because when he... <laughs> Have you seen the sequel? Because when... The sequel? The sequel. Because when he took her hand before uh-huh. they got in the elevator... It was like Demi Moore touching Whoopi Goldberg's hand in Ghost. Yes. Without <laughs> the fake fireworks. And, like, you went, oh, that was her moment. That was her bliss. That was her magic moment. Like, there it is. She's not crazy anymore when, when she touches his hand. Well, no, because it was alluded to earlier when somebody said, well, the reason I knew that I was going to love him forever is because, you know, he helped me out of the car. And Oh, no, Tom Hanks said that about his dead wife. He's like, I held her hand out of the cab. And, like, all I, all I was really doing was helping her out of the cab. But that's, it was magic. Like, oh, I knew. so it's just the holding the hand thing. Yeah. Well, it was an illusion. He held hands with that other chick that, he, that his son didn't like. It wasn't magic then? No, there was no grand moment of aha. Oh, so the aha moment was at the end. Yes. Okay. I still think she's dangerous. Justin. (laughs) She is not dangerous. She was confused and she needed to find herself. Okay. Well, we can agree to disagree a little bit on that. So what do you give this movie on a scale of 1 to 10? Me? Yes. Which one's best? 10 or or 1? What do you think? Uh, I don't know. Probably around a uh, six, maybe. <gasps> Sleep in Seattle gets a six from you. Or seven. Oh my god. What? Eight or nine. Well, that's fine. Okay, fine. Ghost, go. <laughs> uh, probably around the same. These are. I mean, I didn't say these were my favorite movies ever. I said that these were popular movies that I thought were good. And you said that you were tired of watching movies from the eighties, so I picked a couple movies from the nineties. Hey, thanks. Who you know. Usually, women like more than men. <coughs> Would you not agree? You called them chick flicks. Well, some people call them chick flicks. You I guess call them Sleep in Seattle would be more, fit the model of a chick flick that's normally, but I mean, you don't see a lot of guys saying, hey, anybody will come over and watch some ghosts? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen. It's all like, you know, a bunch of girls, let's watch ghosts and cry together. I don't see guys, though, in general say, Hey, do you want to go watch, you know, Phil and the, the blank of any movie together? <laughs> no. No. Yeah, Do you see course. guys be like, let's Hey, man, go let's watch w- Dumb and Dumber. Let's go watch 40-Year-Old Virgin. Sure. I, I, I hear that a lot more than, hey, man, let's go watch some ghosts. <laughs> hey, you love that Sleep in Seattle movie? She's totally not stalking him, right? <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's drink some beers. <laughs> All right. That's all I have to say about Sleep Seattle. And point well taken. Thank you, Justin. You can read all my thoughts on Sleep Seattle at DudeManFat.com. Yes, and follow him on Twitter at Justin Winters, all one word. You could also... But don't stalk me. <laughs> don't you dare stalk me on Twitter. No one gets between me and my man. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Chris K-R-I-S Winters, all one word. Please do. I'm stalking you on Twitter. Oh, he's stalking me on Twitter. I'm glad my husband is stalking me on Twitter. I'd be a little worried if he wasn't. And that's pretty much it. We'll catch you guys uh, next time. Ciao, Bella. Thanks. <laughs>